Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast today. Sal Vetra here. We are breaking down some breakout players. We're going to give you one from each position. Now, I've gone back in maybe a month or two ago, did some videos on breakout players at the running back and wide receiver position. Some of those things and viewpoints have pretty much stayed the same. Some have changed, but I want to just go one position, take a guy that I think stands out the most at each position. We'll give you a tight end this time. We'll give you a quarterback. Hint, hint, there's one on the screen behind me if you're watching on the YouTube video. But we'll go through, we'll spend five minutes on each of these positions. I have a little write up on each of them that I'm going to uh, pretty much a uh, read off to you and kind of um, sell you on these players because I do think they offer a lot of upside, whether it's at their ADP or just in general, and most of them at their ADP. I'm not going to be listing guys that have already broken out in this league. In the last video, somebody said, why have you not listed AJ Brown as a breakout player? Well, AJ Brown in his rookie season went over a thousand yards and he absolutely broke out, right? He had over 20 yards per reception. He was an absolute beast. He was a monster. He was one of the most top five efficient wide receivers probably in the league last year. So I don't want to touch AJ Brown as a breakout when he already did that, right? We can't peg players who are already breakouts. You're not pegging Christian McCaffrey as a breakout for this season, right? You're not doing things like that. It's players that showed upside and maybe an injury limited them. Maybe they're just switching teams. Maybe they're just an, a rookie, right? Players that now in their situations have an opportunity to pop off and be Chris Goblin of last year, right? Chris Goblin last year was a breakout candidate. He absolutely breaks out. Those types of players, uh, Christian McCaffrey two years ago when he was a second round pick and then broke out in his final year with Cam Newton, right? Those types of picks. So we're going to start there. But before we break down into that, if you could support me and this channel by just hitting the like button and the subscribe button, it really does go a long way. Subscribe button in the bottom right hand corner. I think it's that way for me right now. And please do hit the notification bell. It really does help. It allows YouTube to show this video to more people. And while the fantasy football community in August and September starts to really grow when the season starts, it'll allow this channel to maybe pop off a little bit. So I do appreciate that. And also check out the Supreme Draft Guide. Supreme Draft Guide is now up. It's on my website, Fantasy Sports Focus. You can find it right here pretty much. You click get the Supreme Draft Guide and it just takes you over to the landing page to get the Supreme Draft Guide. Tons of stuff in it and a lot more coming during this offseason, just to name a few player ranks rankings, player profiles, reliability charts, data, premium analysis, tiers, all the type of stuff that you're used to me talking about in these videos, or maybe you're new, all of it's going to be compiled here so you can dominate your draft. It's only $10 thanks to the sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight Above, which is 66% off the usual price, so be sure to take advantage of that offer while it lasts. All information on that, if you have any other questions, are linked down below, or you can leave a comment, so be sure to check that out. It's a great way to support the channel and myself here. Appreciate you all so much. So let's start off with this man himself on the screen, the Wolf of Wall Street, if you will, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones last year played in 13 games, right? He ended up coming in in week three. He played a little bit in week one when Eli already was just absolute dust and a waste of space on the field, in my opinion. But week three came in and he just goes absolutely off. He finishes as like QB two or three that week, goes for two rushing touchdowns, throws for two passing touchdowns. They're trailing Tampa Bay by a bunch at the halftime and he absolutely brings them back into it. And this guy looks like the new savior. I don't remember a quarterback stepping in in a single week in his rookie season and doing absolutely that. I remember Matt Flynn throwing for like six touchdowns years ago in like a week 17 game filling for the Packers against the Lions, but a rookie doing it, he really popped off and he looked electric out there. So that just speaks to his upside. Now the Giants last year, not a great defense, not a great secondary. Those things are going to remain the same, if not having like the worst secondary coming into this year. No real talent on that defense. Um, if anything, it's up front, but even there, there's not much talent. So playing from behind is something that's probably going to continue, and it happened a lot last year. As a team, they threw and ran 40.6 pass plays per game, and Daniel Jones, in his 12 to 13 games, played on 35.3% of the snaps. He led the NFL in fumbles last year, which is his just kind of a joke, a running joke if you ever see Daniel Jones. 17 fumbles in 13 games. That doesn't mean he lost all of them, but that's not good. He was averaging over more than one 
one fumble per game. Very, very bad. He did do it on the six most sacks. So he was sacked 40 times. So there were a lot of sack fumbles in there, but he was just a ghost. I mean, you were seeing this guy fumbling two to three times per game at times. And you can see right here, this tweet uh, right now from Ian Harden. QBs with at least 30 turnover worthy plays in seasons from 2017 to 2019. You had Daniel Jones in 2019 having 31. So obviously James, everybody knows his 30 interception season last year. Kyle Allen was absolute dumpster fire last year, but this is just a situation of danger plays that you're putting yourself into. And it just shows immaturity to an extent. It shows being able to not develop. Now as a rookie, I'm not as concerned with it, but when you see these names on this list, you're seeing Deshaun Kaiser, you're obviously seeing Eli Manning in the downfall of his career. And then you're seeing Philip Rivers who started to really trend downwards last year and Daniel Jones. He has to get this fixed, right? He has to get this fixed. He can't be Josh Allen and Jameis Winston out there turning the ball over. So this is just kind of putting it into perspective on how bad he was in terms of turnovers, whether it's from fumbles or putting the ball into danger when it comes to interceptions. Now, he averaged 232 yards per game. He saw 25 touchdowns and a 5.2% touchdown rate. This is very important to point out. He played in 13 games, came off the bench cold in one of those games, right? He had 12 final starts and he threw for 24 touchdowns. That's a very solid number. And it translates out to a 5.2% touchdown rate. That's very good. I mean, you can look at Heath Cummings tweets right here. 41 rookie QBs have thrown at least 300 passes since 2000, a median touchdown projection of 3.4%. That's the average touchdown uh, percentage that you're going to be getting. Only five or above 5%, which is really good. Once you start hitting like five and a half, six and a half percent, you're in a really good air of, of efficiency for your touchdowns. It means you're being very efficient with your passes. Russell Wilson, one of the most historic touchdown passers of all time in terms of efficiency. Uh, you have Mariota, RG3, uh, Baker, and Daniel Jones. All those guys on this list. That's good company for rookies. I mean, Mariota falls off a cliff, RG3, the injuries, but this is pretty good company. And it just shows you that uh, five out of 41 guys have done it. Daniel Jones was on that list. He was very efficient when it came to touchdown passes. He has the rushing upside as well. That first game that he was actually out there, he scored two of his three rushing touchdowns in week three versus Tampa, but he ran 45 times for 279 yards and three touchdowns. If anything, this is a knock against Saquon Barkley. Nothing in a major way to drop him from being the number two overall pick this year, but he has that rushing upside, which is good. That's what you want out of your quarterbacks. If you can snag an extra 300 yards, which is what he would have had if he played a full 16 game season and a couple of rushing scores out of your quarterback, obviously that jumps them from maybe being quarterback 22 to being quarterback 15, right? Pushing for a QB one upside top 12 season. His completion percentage was kind of all over the place. He was 29th in adjusted completion percentage from week three on, but he was also ninth in play action passing 11th when he was pressured. And then he was 28th in deep ball. So he was kind of all over the place. He scored 16.2 fantasy points per game and they're finishing 16th in that department. And I want to just talk about his upside, right? Uh, we kind of talked about the upside a little bit, but he finished as a top three quarterback four times in 13 games, four times finishing as the QB one twice as a rookie. This guy has a ton of upside. And honestly, I have him right now as like my quarterback 14 or 15. The, the opportunity for him to be a top 10 quarterback is surely there. He scored three games of four plus touchdowns, and he was a number five fantasy points quarterback from week 12 on. And you can see right here, our friend, Adam Pfeiffer, shout out Adam, follow him over on Twitter at a Pfeiffer 24. And his last 12 starts last year, Daniel Jones. So just the last 12 starts of the season, he was fifth amongst all quarterbacks in fantasy points. And as the, as Adam points out here, Saquon, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard never played a single game together. You could throw Darius Slayton into that mix. There was always somebody injured, whether it was Golden Tate to start the year suspended. Sterling Shepard gets the ankle injury pretty quickly after that. Mid-season, you're having injuries to Evan Ingram and, and Saquon Barkley towards the mid to end of the year. So he finished as a top five quarterback for the final three quarters of the season. So the last 75% without any of his full arsenal of weapons healthy. And not lots of teams don't have a full arsenal of weapons healthy, but he had it in a major way. This, this stood out. Not a single time that he have all of these guys on the field at one time. Now, I mentioned 
mentioned he finished as the quarterback one twice in those weeks it was week eight he threw for 322 yards he had overall four touchdowns that week and he had 28.2 fantasy points and then in week 16 he pops off for 352 yards five total touchdowns and 35.3 points now Graham Barfield tweets here all-time list of quarterbacks scored at least 25 points in three or more times in their rookie year now Daniel Jones was on that list with four times um in terms of their rookie year Cam Newton obviously pops off he does it six times Robert Griffin in his pop-off season he does it five times these guys in common rushing upside next up Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, the only ones to do it four times. Even Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, who did it three times, were not as efficient or at least not have as much upside in their rookie years as Daniel Jones showed last year with, mind you, a terrible offensive line, like one of the worst offensive lines in the leagues that has been improved and more on that in a second with never a consistency in the health of his weapons out there. And just a player who was fumbling the ball a ton. Imagine if some of those things change. Offensive line already has. To start the season, the the injury should at least not be there for their players. We'll see lots of uh, injury history on this team already in Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard. And what do all these guys on this list that you can see have in common? Well, the, the biggest thing for me, at least for the guys who are four or more games is the rushing upside. Obviously, your fantasy points are going to correlate uh, and be higher if you have more rushing upside. Daniel Jones does have rushing upside and so does all the guys, maybe not as much as Cam Newton, Robert Griffin III, Josh Allen, but he's right up there in terms of how many points he's scoring because of that little tick upwards uh, of the rushing upside. So in the offseason, you can see quickly what the Giants did in terms of helping Daniel Jones, it was all through the offensive line and a lot of it through the draft. Now they got Cameron Fleming and if you want to talk about just improvements in the run blocking not much is going to help there he was 98th last year in run blocking he was 65th amongst tackles and pass blocking which is just average but the main weapons that they added for Daniel Jones in terms of offensive line were through the draft overall they took Andrew Thomas uh, with a top five overall pick then they get Matt Pert in the third round and Shane Lemonex in the fifth round outside of that they didn't add any weapons on offense that are at least worth naming Deion Lewis as a backup running back now is behind Saquon Barkley but it's mainly just they need their weapons to stay healthy they have a ton of weapons out there and speaking of those weapons. This is just a list of an all-star team potentially in the making here. Saquon Barkley, top two running back in the league, maybe top three running back in the league. Evan Ingram, maybe potentially a top five tight end if he could just stay healthy, undersized, though he gets always gets hurt in the middle of the field. And then just a list of great receivers. Darius Slayton on the outside showed a lot of promise last year, especially in games when Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate were injured. Slayton as a rookie saw 6.1 targets per game. And I could see Ian Hardett's tweet here. It's a very great representation of what from weeks three to 13 and 16 to 17 was happening from all these receivers last year, the 12 starts that Daniel Jones had. You can see that Darius Slayton in those 12 games saw 6.1 uh, targets per game and a 7.6 yards per target. The one who stands out the most though, Golden Tate. So another weapon on this team, Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. All of last year, Daniel Jones loved the slot. If you looked early on when Golden Tate was suspended, Sterling Shepard for a few weeks was popping off earlier in the season because he was playing out of the slot. Then Golden Tate comes back from suspension and um, Sterling Shepard moves to the outside when he was healthy and Golden Tate just takes over. He sees 8.4 targets per game. That was the most on the team, 0.1 more than Sterling Shepard, who also played out of the slot. So no coincidence that they're right there back to back, who Evan Ingram, who played out of the slot and in line. So middle of the field is where Daniel Jones likes to target. Now, Darius Slayton popped off for some games, but I think that's a little bit skewed from the games that guys like Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and obviously Evan Ingram were out. If those guys are healthy, I do think Daniel Jones will threaten the outside. But again, he was 28th in deep ball percentage last year in accuracy. I think a lot of the damage is going to be done through one, Golden Tate, two, Evan Ingram, and three, uh, Sterling Shepard, all very close together. If they all stay healthy, Evan Ingram's probably the one who at least outduels his ADP the most at the tight end position. And then the yards per target for Golden Tate were the highest over eight, the only one over eight last year. So that's encouraging to show you that Golden Tate, although he was older, was still running downfield last year. Very much reminds me of Randall Cobb, right? These veteran wide receivers were entering into their 30s now, but people think they're all dusty and like 35 years old, even though they're not. And Randall Cobb had 800 yards last year and was pretty efficient out of the slot. Golden Tate did very similar things when healthy. So you can see a lot of weapons here for Daniel Jones. I think he's uh, the breakout quarterback that you're going to want to own this year.
Next up for tight ends is a guy that I continue to want to draft. He's currently going as like the tight end 17 or 18, depending on where you look. He's my tight end 12. So I have him as a, a tight end one this year. Actually, I just moved him up before the video, actually, to tight end 11. So a bonus points for John Smith. I like him a lot. And before we get into John Smith, hit the like button, smash the big old subscribe button that just popped up. And let me know in the comment section down below, who is your breakout tight end and your breakout quarterback for this year? If you're still watching, I appreciate that feedback. Now, I like John Smith a lot. Last year, he played on 74% of the snaps. He really didn't start until like the third or fourth week of the season with Delaney Walker out there and him just really not taking on a full role yet and getting accumulated into the offense when they were just running the ball, using a lot of blocking tight ends. Oh, he's a fine blocking tight end. 35 receptions, 439 yards and three touchdowns last year on 45 targets. He ended up finishing as the tight and 20 last season 6.5 fantasy points per game so some of the efficiency stats last year he was he had 12.5 yards per reception that was eighth he was eighth in tight end yards per route run he was fourth in catch percentage he was second in tight end separation third in fantasy points per target among tight ends with 2.33 he was a brooklyn tackle monster and to get a little bit more in depth on that i'll leave it to Derek brown here you can follow him dbro underscore ffb on twitter donald smith in 2019 had the most broken tackles per touch the most amongst any players with 30 or more just absolutely insane so i like a lot about John Smith, but I like it even more when you start to break down into him. Sal, how do you have him as the number 11 overall tight end? That's bogus. Well, okay, well, let's look last year um, for John Smith when he actually played, right? The 12 games that he actually played and started to become a starter on this team. Here's the splits. The first, uh, this first column is his three games that he ended up not playing as the starter and he didn't do much. He caught like a ball per game. He ended up seeing like 10 yards per game, right? He, he was just another tight end in the NFL who caught like a ball per game. Then the final 12 games, things started to change. He went from 2.77 fantasy points per game to 8.04 per game. He went from only catching 1.3 balls per game to catching 2.6. Those double, right? He ends up catching zero touchdowns in the first three games. He ends up scoring four touchdowns in the final 12 games. That pops off. He ends up seeing only 1.6 targets per game, goes to 3.3 per game. That doubles as well. And his receiving yards triple, 10.7 per game to 33.9. So everything doubles and or triples. His touchdowns go from zero to four in those final 12 games. And you want to know where he finished in the final 12 games amongst tight ends? He finished as tight end 12, baby. So he was a tight end 12 last year for the final 75% of the season. Very similar to Daniel Jones, who popped off in the final 75% of the games last year, final 12 games as a top five quarterback. So these are guys who last year, it wasn't just two or three weeks that they were doing it. We have guys like that in the league who showed promise, right? Anthony Miller last year, final month of the season. Obviously, Miles Sanders breaks out final six weeks of the season. But these guys were consistently doing it in Daniel Jones and John Smith for the final 12 games of the season. And nobody's talking about them in the same major light. I think Daniel Jones is an interesting sleeper as a late round guy and people are talking about him, but I don't think he's just a sleeper. I don't think he's just a serviceable, serviceable starter. I think he's a QB one upside type of a play. John Lou Smith, I already have as a tight end one upside. I think there's a lot of upside in these guys. Um, in terms of just what else you can look at for John Lou Smith, his durability, he missed four games of the knee sprain last year. So nothing major to talk about, or that was in 2018, actually. So nothing major to worry about there. There's obviously no more Delaney Walker. So from week one, he's the guy this year in an offense that I think is just going to regress from running. You don't run that much. In my opinion, you just can't, whether it's a Derrick Henry injury, whether it's just a game script because the defense gets naturally worse because I expected to, they outperformed last year all their metrics they ended up outperforming so got a little bit lucky which is just going to lead to more passing and if that's the case you have Ryan Tannehill who was very efficient last year even if that efficiency drops the volume should prop up receivers like AJ Brown maybe even like Corey Davis and definitely John o. Smith John o. Smith is in an offense where it's AJ Brown and then it's John o. Smith in terms of the passing game he doesn't have a running back that catches the ball he doesn't have tight end competition outside of AJ Brown it's Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis in my opinion John o. Smith in the middle of the field is the second best weapon on this team in the passing game that's very good to see and you can just see it right here the target competition I'll list it AJ Brown Corey 
Davis and Adam Humphreys. That's pretty much it. AJ Brown last year. Yeah, he was a beast in his rookie season. Over a thousand yards on just 84 targets. He started to break out the second half of the year. Number two in yards per route run, number two in yards per target, 20.2 yards per reception was third in the league. And he was number two in fantasy points per target at 2.58. So obviously AJ Brown was a beast. I think he's going to continue to be a beast this year because I think Derrick Henry actually regresses and is somebody I'm personally avoiding. And I think because of that, AJ Brown takes a step forward. Not much to talk about Adam Humphreys, just a slot receiver who's just decent, right? When he's healthy. And then Corey Davis is just more so a bust right now. It's looking like Corey Davis played on 80% of the snaps last year, ended up just seeing 14 yards per reception, which was 33rd in the league. Not good. AJ Brown started to take on a bigger role, really hurt Corey Davis, who ended up only catching 43 balls for 601 yards and two touchdowns last season. Let's turn out on John Smith. I think the guy's a breakout. I think he's going to be an absolute beast. And when you look at the athletic profile of guys like John Smith, Mike Gusecki from the Dolphins, these guys stand out, whether it's from their speed, their 40 yard dash, their agility, their, their first year as a starter type of numbers last year for Gusecki being a full-time starter and John Smith really towards the second half of the year for Gusecki and the final three quarters of the year for John Smith last year. Their profiles scream out guys that have top five tight end upside. And those are guys that I want to roster. Those are guys that I want to roster. I don't want to roster guys. Jay Sternberger, I like, but he's a deep sleeper. He's a guy who's 25th right now in rankings. And yeah, maybe he'll finish top 20. I don't think he'll finish top five. These guys have that ability. Now there's a lot of wide receivers to choose from breakouts. And there's a lot of different categories we can put this in. If I wanted a guy who's being drafted in like the thirties at wide receiver, and I think can finish in the top 15, I'd probably maybe go like up with a Hollywood Brown, right? If I wanted some deep sleeper guys who are being drafted in like the fifties, and I think they can maybe be in the top 30 amongst wide receivers, maybe it's a Michael Pittman, maybe it's a Nicole Hartman, right? Those types of guys that have the upsides uh, to break out. Denzel Mims, depending on if he could take on that role completely. Those are the types of players, Anthony Miller, Preston Williams. I've talked about them in videos, but if I want a guy who is currently being drafted slightly outside the top 20, right around the top 20, right? Like 20th to the 25 range. If I want one of those guys, and I think he's going to finish as a wide receiver one, or let's say a top 10 wide receiver. I think that guy is DK Metcalf. So out of all the wide receivers from 20 to 30, there's two guys who stand out, DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin that have top 10 upside. I'm just going to side with the one that I feel more comfortable in, in DK Metcalf. He is, in my opinion right now, as long as Antonio Brown doesn't go there. And if you're watching this and he has gone there, it's because I'm recording this before any of that news comes out. DK Metcalf is the number one receiver on this team, in my opinion. I know there's debates between, is it Tyler Lockett? Is it DK Metcalf? Yes, Lockett is still there. So he's not overwhelmingly the number one, but in my opinion, it is DK Metcalf. The guy who right now is uh, five and a half years younger than Tyler Lockett, the guy who plays outside and started to develop his routes, in my opinion, in a very nice way to see towards the end of the year, the final four games heading into the playoffs last year where he took over. Lockett was dealing with injury last year, but coming into his age 28 and a half season for Tyler Lockett, compared to a physical monster who was just a beast when it comes to 40-yard dash time, speed score, burst, agility, all these things, contested catch, and TK Metcalf on the outside who started to break out towards the end of the year. Yeah, I'm going to choose that guy who's coming into his age 23 season. Terry McLaurin, the number one receiver in his offense, it's just a question of do I trust Dwayne Haskins as much in that offense to score as much as I do Seattle. And right now the question, the answer at least to that is no. DK in his 2019 rookie season played in every single game. So it was good to see that he actually had opportunities early. And that's why he ended up finishing with 58 receptions for 900 yards, exactly seven touchdowns on a 20.3% market share of targets. But this is the reason that I like him a ton. You saw seven touchdowns last year and Russell Wilson is always up there in touchdown percentage. He's just always throwing for 30 touchdowns or more, no matter how many pass attempts he throws, it seems like. And last year, DK Metcalf saw 18.6% end zone targets on his team, ranked second only behind DJ Moore, but he was number one in the NFL in end zone targets with 18. So he saw 18 end zone targets last year. Not all of them were converted for touchdowns, obviously. He only scored seven touchdowns. That is due to come up. Now, he's probably not going to lead the league again. Let's say that he sees 13 to 14 end zone targets this year. That's just end zone. That's not counting scores outside of the end zone, right? He's going to be in a situation that he can really pop off for an eight to 12 touchdown season. And if you just factor in more opportunity in his overall skill set and more opportunity this year, when it comes to targets, instead of hundred, he goes for 115 range of targets. And now he's in that 1100 to 1200 receiving yard range. He's in that eight to 10 touchdown range. Yeah. He's going to be a guy that I think is going 
going to rival uh, for a top 12 to top 15 tight end season as his upside, right? He's right now my currently, I believe, wide receiver 20 being drafted as wide receiver 21. Russell Wilson last year, as always, 32.2 pass attempts per game and throws 31 touchdowns, a 6% rate, was third in the NFL, 256 yards per game. He's just a magician out there. He's a top three quarterback in this league right now. Top five, if you if you don't think he's top three, he's definitely top five. And his efficiency and his ability to just continue and extend the play just thrives DK Metcalf, right? That's what DK Metcalf is going to thrive off of. Um, anything right off of the line of scrimmage, I think he does, just because the former second round pick is a physical monster and specimen. Uh, but once you have extended time, I think that's where he, he's really going to just start bullying the defensive backs, uh, safeties, and cornerbacks. In terms of his target competition, you can see it. So first of all, they added some players in the offseason, but nothing major, right? They added Greg Olson, they added Philip Dorsett. So the receiving options in three wide receiver sets will be locking in the slot, DK and Philip Dorsett on the outside as of right now. Again, rumors of Antonio Brown, he's throwing with Russell Wilson. Maybe by the time you're watching this, he's on the Seahawks. Nothing else major there when it comes to the NFL draft. They take Freddie Swain in the sixth round of wide receiver and then a couple of tight ends. They already have a ton of tight ends on this team. Obviously, they, like I just said, they got Greg Olson and they already had a couple of established players on this team already before going out and getting Greg Olson and the two rookie tight ends. Now, the target competition is going to be Tyler Lockett, who did play a ton of snaps, 93%, battled an ankle lower body injury the second half of last year, still went over a thousand yards, still saw a 27.4% red zone rate. So um, that would be the one thing that keeps Tyler Lockett above DK Metcalf if he continues to see this much higher red zone rate of like a five to six percent higher percentage over DK Metcalf. I think part of that was DK being a rookie beginning of last year. I think that changes this year. Or set last year was fine in New England, just never fantastic. He started to struggle and then that's when they started not to play him. He dealt with injuries. 29 receptions ended up being in that time five touchdowns. So he had a high touchdown rate, 13.1% target share in 11 games. And then Greg Olson coming over from the Panthers offers some red zone security for a guy who last year saw a 23% red zone rate. So DK Metcalf for me is a guy that from the 20 to 25 wide receivers range or right around there can be the one that stands out the most to break out into the top 10 and honestly be a top five receiver maybe next time when we're talking about this in terms of his upside. And then finally for running backs, there's so many I can talk about, right? Miles Sanders, I made so many videos on, but can I can I say he's a breakout? Yes, I can, but he's a first round pick, right? Same thing can be said for Kenyon Drake. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the rookie running back that I think, yeah, he could have a breakout season, but that's almost like known at this point, right? Like everybody can kind of see that he's not a sleeper, breakout seasons for these guys. Like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I guess he's still going in the second round, but he's a Chiefs running back. A lot of people want his hands on him. Other rookies like Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers came to mind, but I don't think they have as clear of a path to a breakout when a guy like uh, David Montgomery here, even if he's inefficient this year, I think can break out. And he was inefficient last year already. This is a guy last year who saw 242 carries, played in all 16 games though, only had 889 yards as a former third round pick, scored seven touchdowns, but he did catch 25 of 35 passes, right? That's good to see. Like that's in his rookie year. Imagine if that goes up. Imagine if Tariq Cohen's volume of like 90 plus uh, targets and receptions just goes down a little bit. Now you're seeing a lot more usage for David Montgomery. Brutal 3.5 yards per carry. Yeah, that's terrible. But the guy still ended up overall having 267 touches. That's a very good workload. And when you factor in his receiving yards, had almost 1,100 total yards. Not great by any means, but when I rank him out, he's going to be a top 22, pushing a top 20 running back for me because last year was worst case scenario. Mitch Trubisky was absolutely terrible. Their offense in general was absolutely terrible. I think they're naturally going to run more. You can see Kyle Yates tweet right here. The Bears saw their total rushing attempts drop from 468 from 2018 to 395 in 2019. Want to know why? Their defense got worse. Mitch Trubisky was awful and they start trailing in games. So you have to throw the ball more. Negative game script means throwing more for running backs instead of them getting more carries. And then Kyle finishes his tweet by saying, if that number jumps back up to even 430 to 440, so nowhere near what 2018 was still, but it just goes up like an extra 35 rushing attempts or they run that many more times per game. David Montgomery, 
Montgomery is going to see probably 20 of those at least. And if David Montgomery's receptions stay around the same, maybe they 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 drop even by five if we want to be on the downside of that. You're going to see David Montgomery pushing a 300 touch season as a guy who's going off the board. It's like RB 25 right now. Now the Bears run blocking last year was like bottom third of the league. Barely it was like 20th overall. They didn't really do much to improve that. They took some Jason Spriggs, Jermaine Effendi, who was a guy from the Seahawks, who if you're leaving the Seahawks offensive line, that's not good. So not a lot of additions there in the offensive line in the draft. They added two later round picks in the seventh round. So I guess I'm a little bit concerned about the offensive line for both Nick Foles slash Mitch Trubisky and David Montgomery. So we'll have to see how that plays out for a guy who did break a ton of tackles last year. He was just doing nothing after breaking those tackles was the big issue for David Montgomery. He was number 13th in evaded tackles, but 53rd in yards after contact per attempt, as you can see right here. And just to go off of that 60th in yards created per touch, not good, but he did see 65% of the red zone touches and 88% of the touches inside the five yard line. So this is a workhorse back who was in a team that just sucked last year. He did see a decent amount of receptions with 25. He just did nothing after the catch and nothing after breaking tackles. Now imagine this year if the offense is a little bit better, right? He ends up seeing an extra two to three rushing attempts per game. Now you're getting David Montgomery somewhere around 270 touches on the ground. You factor in a couple of receptions. And again, he's right around that 300 touch season. Even if he only averages right around what he did last year, let's just say four yards per touch. He saw 3.5 yards per carry, but factoring in receptions, let's say he gets to four yards per touch. That's a 1200 yard season. If he continues to see 88% of the touches inside the five yard line, 65 or 70% inside the red zone, this guy's going to score just six to eight touchdowns if his team is a little bit better on offense. That's a running back that starts to finish as a top 20 running back and not 25th uh, overall where he's currently being drafted. So go get yourself some David Montgomery. Go get yourself some of the names on this list. Daniel Jones, Jonu Smith, DK Metcalf, David Montgomery. I love these players as breakouts this year. I think they're all great where their ADP is as well. Go ahead and get them. Hit this like button on this video before you go. Big old subscribe button pops up. It's in the bottom right hand corner. If you could tap that before you go, if you got any value from this video, take a second of your time. I really do appreciate that. Check out the Supreme Draft Guide. It's linked down below. We just talked about it earlier in this. It's just $10 thanks to Monkey Knife Fight. So what you do is you click the link below. It takes you to a landing page. You put $10 into Monkey Knife Fight. You play a game for a dollar or two. And then I get an email that says, send this fellow the draft guide right now, Sal. And then I send you the draft guide and then you go and you win your league. It's that simple. I appreciate you tuning in. Hop into the community discord down below. Thank you so much for tuning into this one. My name's Sal. See you all in the next one. Peace out, game.